Hello friends, this is Pastor Bill Clark. Welcome to the podcast. Hello friends are the first two words I begin each message that I get the privilege to share each Sunday. I get to tell my friends about the greatest friend, Jesus Christ. I also consider friends to be one of the greatest gifts a person can have in this earthly life. Most of the episodes will be messages I share each Sunday, but from time to time, I'll invite a friend to share some of their life with us over a beverage. I pray these episodes bless you and help you on this journey of life. God's blessings to you, friend. This is a message I shared on Sunday, November 13th, 2022, from chapter 9 of the story, The Faith of a Foreign Woman, from the Book of Ruth. So here we are, chapter 9, The Faith of a Foreign Woman. We have three main characters in this chapter, Ruth, Naomi, Boaz. So Ruth, chapter 9, is based on the Book of Ruth from the Old Testament. The book of Ruth is almost like, as we've gone through the story, it's almost like this side story from the past few weeks that we've been going through the story. Because if we started, I've been very intentional about this, we've been able to trace the descendants in the family trees of the people we've talked about in chapters 1 through 8. We truly see this chronological order of the story in God's Word. But today we're introduced to Ruth and Naomi, and Boaz. Three people we haven't heard of up to this point, and three people who have not really studied their descendants. In fact, Pastor Kruger preached on chapter 8 last week on Judges and Gideon. The book of Ruth and Gideon happen at the same time. So as we follow the lower story of person after person from the Old Testament, we've been able to trace it all the way back to Adam and Eve. As we complete chapters of the story, we see how the lower stories of Adam and Eve and Noah and Abraham and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and Gideon and many others weave themselves together in God's upper story. As I said, today we look at Ruth, who really has no strong ties between anyone or anything we've studied in the first eight chapters of the story. But today we're going to see Ruth's lower story and God's upper story are going to have a very direct impact on the earthly life of Jesus. We're introduced to Naomi, and we can see that it's a struggle for Naomi. After her husband dies and both of her sons die, we will see that Naomi will have some people that come into her life, Ruth and Boaz, that is going to redeem her and keep her from becoming a servant. So chapter 9 starts. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilon. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went to the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. 
These took Moabite wives. The name, the name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and Malon and Kelon died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. We can see right away that Naomi's in a bad spot. She's a foreigner in a foreign land. Her husband dies, and ten years later, both of her sons die. And this is a big deal at this time. When a woman becomes a widow, she loses her status. And she very well could become a servant. See, there's no males to be the head of the household for her and to provide for her. She has no means to take care of the land and provide for herself. And the men that are supposed to take care of her are gone. Naomi is left with just her daughter-in-laws, Ruth and Orpah, in a foreign country. Now Naomi hears that the Lord has provided for his people back in Bethlehem. So Naomi sees no other choice than to say goodbye to Ruth and Orpah and return back to Bethlehem. But Ruth will not let Naomi return without her. Ruth and Naomi returned to Bethlehem during the harvest. Ruth and Naomi knew that they could go out in the fields for barley that was intentionally left by the farmers for people in need. This practice was known as gleaning. In Leviticus, where the law is found, it states, the widows and the fatherless are among those who are permitted to glean. This was one of God's provisions to, for the support of the poor and the helpless. Well, this wasn't easy work. In fact, it was hard work, but it gave Ruth and Naomi food as well as others who couldn't provide for themselves. The field in which Ruth goes to glean is owned by Boaz, who just happens to be a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. When Naomi and Ruth meet Boaz, the lower story of each of them is about to change in a big, big way. So everything in this point of chapter 9 about the story of Naomi has gone wrong. Naomi and her husband should have never left Moab, a foreign country with false gods. The two sons were not supposed to marry outside of Israel, but they married Moabite women. Ruth should have stayed in Moab, where she could have been a servant. But now she's back in Bethlehem with no husband or sons and only a daughter-in-law who is a foreigner. Boaz, on the other hand, is the son of a prostitute. The prostitute that helped the spies when they came into Jericho. Remember chapter 7, book of Joshua? Rahab. Rahab is Boaz's mom. See, everything in this lower story seems wrong. Yet God turns it all around when Boaz and Naomi and Ruth meet. One of my favorite books is called Chase the Lion by Mark Batterson. I've read this book several times. I remember the first time I read this book, it really spoke to me as a man, as a Christian, and as a follower of Christ. See, Chase the Lion... It's a book about culture, realizing a God-sized dream, and following God's call in your life. The way this author wrote the book, the way I feel and think, really spoke to me. Especially the first time I picked this book up. I was changing from sitting in the pew like you to being a pastor and discerning that call to be a pastor and a shepherd. Chapter 5 of the book 
is called Game of Inches. It says this, Mark Batterson writes this, Life is a game of inches. It's two-inch events that change our trajectory. I don't believe in coincidence, not if you're living a spirit-led life. I believe in providence. I believe in a sovereign God who is ordering our footsteps, preparing good works in advance and making all things work together for good. I think all of us can think of a person or event that has changed the trajectory of our lives. I can think of several people in my life who have changed the trajectory of my life. Was it by chance? No. Was it luck? Oh no, I don't believe in luck, right? I believe in a God who orders my footsteps and brings together people for good. Does that mean that every footstep that we take will be something that we want? No, it doesn't. But perhaps one day it will make sense in our lives here on earth, or it'll be revealed to us when we're eternity with our Father in heaven. So Naomi, she returns back to Bethlehem. She tells those to greet her to call her Mara, which in Hebrew means bitter. Naomi is bitter about her life for what happened to her. Naomi says, I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? I think we can all relate to that verse in some way, shape, or form. We may not have lost a spouse in both of our children, but there are times in our lives when we get a diagnosis from a doctor we don't want to hear. It's cancer. Or a relative or a friend dies unexpectedly. Or when a family is in turmoil, we begin to ask, why God? Why? Why now? Why them? Why me? You can almost feel that Naomi's at the end of her rope. She's had it. She's tried to do what is best. But her life here was not much of a life in the world's view. But Naomi forgets. She still has Ruth. And Ruth is not going to leave her side or let her down. Boaz hears about how Ruth, how Ruth has cared for her mother-in-law. And before long, Boaz marries Ruth. He redeems the land of her father-in-law, Elimelech, her late husband and her late husband's brother. Boaz and Ruth have a son named Obed, which means worker. The life of Naomi and Ruth are redeemed by Boaz. You see many times in chapter 9 the words guardian, redeemer. We've also seen this word just redeemer in the ESV translations. I've also heard this word or this reference referred to as kinsman redeemer. Someone who redeems someone and their family. A redeemer or a guardian is laid out in Leviticus chapter 25. As a redeemer or a redeemer or guardian redeemer is this. A male relative who, according to various laws of the Pentateuch, had the privilege or responsibility to act on behalf of a relative who was in trouble, danger, or need. So Boaz followed the law. He took that privilege, didn't he? 
and responsibility. The word redeem or redeemer appears 21 times in the book of Ruth. Just four chapters in the book of Ruth, but 21 times we see that word redeem or redeemer. We see in that chapter that Ruth is redeemed. And the land of Naomi is redeemed. So what does redeem or redeemer mean? Really, it has two meanings for us from Scripture. In the Old Testament, a redeemer was one who paid the price on behalf of an impoverished relative in order to effect the release of the relative of his or her property. When Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, return to Bethlehem from Moab, they live in poverty. But through these series of two-inch events that didn't happen by luck or chance, the estate of Naomi's deceased husband is redeemed by Boaz. And as part of that transaction, Boaz also redeems Ruth, literally purchasing her with his kinsman property of Noemi's deceased husband. However, Boaz goes above and beyond his obligation as Redeemer when he marries Ruth and provides her with an heir. Ruth and Boaz have a son named Obed. Obed is the father of Jesse. Jesse is the father of David. And then 28 generations later, Jesus is born. It's right there. Matthew chapter 1. The genealogy of Jesus. Do you think Boaz thought his name would be listed there when he was being a kinsman redeemer? Boaz by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Ovid by Ruth. I underlined it there in red. How did Boaz help Naomi and Ruth? By the law, he was required to, right? Not required, but he had the privilege, the responsibility. It's highly encouraged that he should do so. But Boaz went beyond what he had to do for them. We read that Boaz told the harvesters to leave a little extra for Ruth when she was out in the fields. We also see that Boaz married Ruth. Why did Boaz go above and beyond what he had to do? Go back to who Boaz's mother is, Rahab. Rahab the prostitute who hid the spies of Joshua and Jericho. Rahab, Boaz's mother, risked her life for the spies and in return her family was spared when Jericho fell in chapter 7. See, Boaz never forgot what Joshua and his spies did for his mother and his family. And now he sees the life of Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, and feels, help, and feels moved to help them. Rahab and her family were redeemed by Joshua. And now Ruth and Naomi are redeemed by Boaz. So back to that quote from Change the Lion, Chase the Lion. Life is a game of inches. It's two-inch two events that change our trajectory. Rahab saw this in hiding the spies that saved her family, including her son Boaz. And now Ruth and Naomi meeting Boaz changed the life of all three of them in ways they would never understand or comprehend in their lifetime. Boaz redeemed the life of Ruth and Naomi. Boaz acted boldly on behalf of Naomi 
and Ruth to secure their future and family inheritance. God supplied Boaz to be a redeemer for both Ruth and Naomi. But there's also a second part to the definition of redeemer. We've seen many songs about we know that our redeemer lives, right? Jesus is our redeemer. Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Jesus' purpose was to this, to give his life as a ransom for many. Paul states that Jesus has redeemed believers from the curse of the law. The author of Hebrews says that Jesus' death provides the redemption of transgressions. Each and every one of us has been redeemed by Jesus Christ. God is our kinsman redeemer. Our Father in heaven redeemed his children through his Son, Jesus Christ. So Boaz fulfilled the law. He did that for Ruth and Naomi. Christ fulfilled the law for us and redeemed us all on the cross. God redeemed our sins through his Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus paid the price for our sins. God redeemed each and every one of us because of his love and the mercy he has for each one of us. So today, God tells us to act boldly with wisdom on behalf of the helpless to perpetuate their life and share with them the inheritance of eternal life in his name. Jesus bears witness that he has and will act as redeemer of us all. You know, there's only been one Savior that redeemed us, and his name is Jesus. You see, today we still help out family members, don't we? When there's, we feel that there's a call, a need to help. We are called as Christians to help our brother and sister, just as we see the example of Boaz. You see, a two-inch event to me is just a small event that doesn't seem to have a big impact at the moment. But then when you look back on it later on in your life, it had a larger impact in your life. It left a memory in your mind. How many of those events involved someone in your life that had an impact on you? Maybe it was a conversation. Maybe it was a smile. Maybe it was a hug. How many of those two-inch moments stick in your mind? Last Sunday, All Saints Sunday, Pastor Kruger gave this great definition of saint. A saint is someone who the light shined through. A saint is someone who the light shined through. These two-inch glimmers of life that impacted your life. My first time through when I wrote this message, I ended it with this awesome example of a life redeemed through the life of another. My friend Wayne left money after his death to change the life of someone in the Dominican Republic, and change he did. I literally saw the impact of the money from Wayne that built a new home for Carlos and Daisy and their five kids. It's a beautiful example that fits perfectly in what it meant for Boaz to be a kinsman redeemer. But not all of us may have the opportunity Wayne had to be a Boaz to Carlos and his family. Well, I love the story and the message of Boaz and Ruth and Naomi. Don't you feel it sometimes it's beyond your capacity? 
We fall into the trap when we see the actions of Boaz that we need to be like Boaz. We need to go beyond and above to help others. But Boaz didn't do that for everyone. There are others in Boaz's family that he most likely had these two-inch moments with that were smaller, but still had a lasting impact. So as they tell me, as I get older, we get more tired. Starting to feel that. We don't have the energy we once had. We've put our time into raising our family, attending church, serving on church boards, volunteering for events, and giving to others. All two-inch moments of being a saint and letting the light of Christ shine through us. But we don't stop being a saint. A, someone, a saint is someone who the light shines through and still continues to shine through. You never know who is going to see God's light shine through you. It's those little moments. It's those big moments. And it's a lot of average, ho-hum, normal moments in between. You see, most of the time, we are ho-hum, average, normal Christians. And that's okay. It's okay if we're living the same faith we profess in church on Sunday mornings, the other 167 hours of the week. It's okay if we're living the Christian life. It's okay if the light of Christ is still shining through us. Because it's those average, ho-hum, normal days that have impact also. In those days, it's even more impactful to me to see people showing see you showing you living the Christian life. You think back on it, how many times did you see the saints in your life? A parent or a grandparent or a friend or family member reading their Bible. How many times did you see them with the portals of prayer or a devotion book on their end table? How many times did you see a list of people they were praying for on their desk? How many times did you see them just simply bow their head in prayer and give thanks to God? All on average, ho-hum, normal days. All of these moments of the saints that went before us being in God's Word, living out their faith, and letting God's light shine through them. And that's what we are to do. That's living the Christian life. The slide probably getting tired of seeing it, aren't you? But when I saw these statistics about being in God's Word four times a week, they really opened my eyes. Just simply being in God's Word four times a week. You see, each time we're in God's Word, we have these little two-inch events that can and will change our trajectory. And when you're in God's Word, how many times have you read a part of Scripture? You've read it many, many times. And then you hear it or you read it again, and God shows you so much more than you ever saw before. I knew the story of Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. In fact, I preached through the story in 2017. Then I went to Israel in 2019. And that's when I had one of these two-inch events in my life. So there's two words that I wanted you to focus on today. 
The first was redeem. And I hope you understand the message of redemption in chapter 9 of the story today. The second word I want you to focus on today is Bethlehem. Bethlehem. How many of you, when you were reading through chapter 9, stopped when you saw the words Bethlehem and go, hey, isn't that the same place that Jesus is born? Anyone? I didn't really either until I went to Israel in 2019. I took several thousand pictures when I went to Israel in 2019, but the one I'm going to show you, not very pretty, it's not a great landscape. I took this with my camera, stepping, I was standing on the bus getting ready to leave. I was getting ready to leave Bethlehem. Boaz Field Souvenir Shop. I, wonder what, I didn't even go in to see what they sold in there. I asked Ramsey, our tour guide, who is Palestinian, by the way, but also a Christian. I said, what's up with the name of the souvenir shop? Completely forgetting about the story of Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. Because I, as a Christian, I'm in Bethlehem. What am I focused on? I'm focused on the birth of Christ, aren't I? Ramsey answered, Boaz land is here in this valley in Bethlehem. A valley that I was looking at with my very own eyes as I stood on the steps of the bus. After he said that, I responded with, are you sure? Like I could question him, right? The guy lives there. He knows his history. And he said, it is, without a doubt. In fact, we have legal records to prove that this was Boaz's farm in this valley, in Bethlehem. You know, I stood there on the steps of that bus, and I was like, of course. Of course. God in his upper story would provide this lower story of Ruth and Naomi and Boaz to show us what a kinsman redeemer is in the very same location on earth that Jesus, our redeemer, is born. You know, it was a two-inch event. I've been waiting three years to share that picture with you. Small two-inch events are part of God's story as we live out our lower story. Because we're going to be redeemed, right? We are going to be redeemed from this lower story because our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, right? redeems us. It's all a part of God's plan for all of us. We are redeemed. Amen.